0: Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Open your Bibles to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. We'll start with verse 13. We'll continue on our verse by verse study of the book of James. I believe this is part 7. I think we'll be able to finish chapter 3 today. James is a very practical book. It covers many different areas. It's one of the first books of the New Testament written. As we covered before, James is the little brother to Jesus. James chapter 3, starting with verse 13. So after James talks about your mouth and what you say, he switches courses a little bit and says, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Or who thinks they are smart? Who thinks they are wise? Who considers himself as being intelligent? What he's going to do now is teach you how to be wise. Because the thing is, when he asks that question in church, everybody should say, I'm wise. I have wisdom. I'm full of the spirit of wisdom. But it's not the case now, and it wasn't the case then. So he said, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? So if you want to be wise, you need to follow the following advice, as well as what it says in James chapter 1, verse 5, which we taught on, I believe, in the second week of the series. It says in James 1, verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. So remember, this is all one letter. So if you want to be wise, it starts with asking God for wisdom in faith. Because verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. So if you want to be wise, if you want to operate your life in wisdom, you have to ask God in faith for wisdom. Meaning when you ask God for wisdom, you believe you receive by the time you say amen. Not by the time your mind actually knows what to do. But by the time you say amen, as far as your faith is concerned, you have the wisdom from God. You have the direction you need. So you can't go around saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. You can't stop there. You can say, I don't know yet, but the Lord is revealing it to me. That's how faith talks. So back to chapter 3, verse 13. Let's see what else to do to be a wise person. Look what he says a wise person should do. Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. So conversation means lifestyle or behavior. The word good there is translated as valuable, virtuous, or beautiful. So a wise person should live a good lifestyle. A wise person should live a good lifestyle. And from that good lifestyle, there should be works. Now remember, we, a few weeks ago, talked about how James defined works. It is as actions, doings, deeds, corresponding actions. It's actions, doings, deeds, and corresponding actions. But in context, since we're building on the previous chapter, these are actions of faith. A wise person should live a good life that is shown by their actions of faith. So if you want to be a wise person, you live by faith. And you do faith things. We talked about a few weeks ago what that means. We said faith without works is dead. Which is faith without corresponding action is dead. So you can talk a good game, but your life needs to match up what you say. We also said that faith without works is a corpse. So you can have faith. You can say, I have faith, but is your faith active? Is your faith alive? Is your faith doing anything? Or Roberts used to say, someone came up to him and said, I have all the faith in the world. And he says, that's the problem. You didn't release it. You didn't do anything with it. Your faith has to be alive, and your faith is alive if you are backing it up with corresponding actions. As we talked about about two sessions ago, faith alone is not enough. It must be backed up with corresponding action. So a good lifestyle, a valuable lifestyle, a virtuous lifestyle, shows forth works of faith or corresponding actions of faith. And then it says, with meekness of wisdom. With meekness of wisdom wisdom. Meekness is defined as gentleness or the attitude or demeanor of one who is forbearing, patient, slow to anger. It is one who is forbearing, patient, slow to anger. Remember that phrase, slow to anger? He told us about that earlier in chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So this wisdom, a wise person with a good lifestyle, is slow to get angry. You'll see why that's important in a moment when we go to Proverbs. It's slow to get angry. It's forbearing. It's patient. It puts up with people. So if you say you're wise and you can't put up with somebody, you're not as smart as you think you are. Meekness is defined as one who remains in control of himself in the face of insults and injuries. So just because someone insults you, doesn't mean you respond. Just because they called you out of your name, doesn't mean you respond. Just because they called you a nigga. Sounds like, Pastor, you went too far on that one. So, Pastor, you be bailing me out of jail. What is meekness? It is the ability to control your response in every situation. To it gets to a point where people can't, you can't say, Well, I had no choice. No, you always have a choice. Or they may be doing it. No one can make you do anything. Satan can't even make you do anything. If Satan made you do it, it means you're possessed and you need to get delivered. Well, cast out the devil tonight and get you saved. Satan can't make you do anything. Meekness is the ability to control yourself no matter the situation. Self-control is the ability to control what your flesh does. Meekness is that supernatural gift of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, that allows you to control your emotions. You should never be controlled by your emotions. You should be in control of your emotions. He's like, oh, I'm an emotional person. We're all emotional people. We all got emotions. But your emotions should not drive you. Remember, you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a human body. That means you have a soul. You possess a soul. You control your soul. You are not a soul person. Your soul is your mind, your will, and the very seat of your emotions. So that means you have to be in control of your emotions. So that means you don't need to feed your emotions things that can cause them to act wild. You know, I do it even simply about what movies I go to see. I don't pay to be depressed. So if it's gonna be a sad movie, I ain't gonna see it. I'm not paying to be depressed. Why am I going to walk around, try to stir up the joy of the Lord because a movie made me depressed? I'm not doing that. They're not going to give me a refund because the movie made me sad. Say, but they did such great acting. Well, good for them. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I ain't going to see it. And on the other side, I'm not usually going to go watch movies that are going to make me furious. I know what history is. I don't have to go watch it again. I'm very well wet on history. I don't need to watch it in front of my eyes. Why? I'm doing things that help me control my emotions. I'm not going to feed them to make them act wild. It's also defined this meekness calms the fierce wheel. Talks about like the ability to control or to calm or to domesticate a wild animal. So if your emotions are a wild animal, God has given you meekness in your spirit to control those emotions. You should never let someone push you over the edge. Because if you keep saying, well, they made me do it, they made me do it, that means you are their slave. And you are not in control of your own actions. God has given you the ability to remain in control. God has given you... The fruit of meekness on the inside, but if it's a fruit of the spirit, it must be developed. It must grow. So if you know areas in your life, you all have them, that is just your button. If you want to go to zero to 100 real quick, they just got to push that button, right? That means you have to develop meekness in that area. Some people, you get very emotional if you don't eat. So, to avoid getting hangry, carry a snack with you. Not everything is deep. Carry a nutri bar or something in your car. You drive down Atlanta, or something, drive down 285, someone i cut you off. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Love is patient. Love is kind. Thank- Glory to Jesus. Do what you need to do to remain in control. Because if you're not in control with your emotions, you won't do what we talked about last week, and you will say something you shouldn't. So imagine if the power of God was turned up on on you the whole way. And someone cusses you off on 285, and you cuss them out. You condemn them with what word? Do you know what would happen if the power of God was turned all the way up? The earth would open, it would split, that car would fall in, and it would close, and they'd drop down to hell. Because you damned them. Because you weren't in control of your emotions. So how can God trust you with power if you can't control your mouth because you can't control your emotions? You have to remain in control. Because think about all the people that tick God off all the time. What if he just responded every time someone ticked him off? Lightning bolts everywhere. Crispy critters all throughout the world. When he's in control of his emotions, he has emotions. Read the Bible. It talks about him being happy, him being sad, him being angry. But he's always in control of them. And so should you. Meekness is a fruit of the spirit that's developed. It will enable you to control your emotions and not act out in pride and anger. Remember, Jesus was talking to a wise person who thought himself wise. And it's two different, at least two different times when someone asked him what to do to inherit eternal life. And he asked him, how read you? And he replied the right way. And he says, you've answered, do that and you will live. He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so he said, seeking to justify himself, the gospel says. He said, well, who is my neighbor? So Jesus cut right into it because Jesus had an awesome parable for everything by the wisdom of the spirit. He said a man was walking down the street and he got mugged. They beat him, stripped him of his good clothes and left him half dead on the road. A Pharisee walks by. The person who's supposed to know the law the best, know the word of God the best, supposed to be the most mature person. They walk by, look at him and keep passing. Then a Levite, a scribe goes by, someone else who knows the word of God, that people look up to. He crosses onto the other side of the street and keeps going. And then a Samaritan comes by. Now to us, the name Samaritan means nothing. We understand it as the parable of the good Samaritan, right? So when you hear the word Samaritan, you automatically think good. But to Jesus' original audience, that did not make sense. It's like saying that nice young man in ISIS. The Jews and the Samaritans were constantly opposed to each other, constantly fighting. The Samaritans didn't like the Jews. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans. You see that in John 4. The Jews called Samaritans half-breeds. They were racist against each other. They did not like each other and has been building for hundreds of years. So Jesus, Jesus, by the Holy Ghost, uses. Something Now, he addresses their racism at the same time as he addresses the issue at hand, because the guy's seeking to justify himself. And says, the good Samaritan comes by. He sees him, ministers to him, takes him to a hotel, pays his night stay, and tells the innkeeper, if there's extra calls after you take care of him, let me know, and I'll pay it when I come back. Then Jesus asked the man who was, will- who was saying all these things to justify himself, who was a neighbor, he said, the Samaritan, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Meekness helps you control yourself in situations where you think you got to speak up because you can't let someone look better than you. Jesus told that guy, you know what you do, go do it. So now he's trying to seem smarter than Jesus. That's why he's trying to justify himself. Analyze what you say. When you say it, are you saying it just because it's conversation? Or are you trying to say it because you're trying to make yourself look better than other people? Do you always have to be the center of attention? Do all eyes have to be on you? Because meekness is also translated as humility. Meekness is also translated as humility. Humility does not exaggerate your own importance. Humility does not exaggerate your own importance, but views yourself accurately and does not look down on others. Humility does not exaggerate your own importance, but it views yourself accurately and does not look down on others. Now, humility is not thinking that you're some type of lowly bug, not worthy of breath on this earth. That's not humility. Humility is seeing yourself as God sees you, understanding what the word says about you. And understanding where you are in your life. But if you see yourself as God sees you, which is wonderful and fearfully made. If you see yourself as worthy of the blood being shed. If you see yourself as God sees you, you don't have time to look down on others. Because the only time you look down on somebody is if you're trying to help them up. So wisdom with meekness is, as the Amplified Classic Edition says, the proper attribute of true wisdom. The Amplified Classic Edition says it's the proper attribute of true wisdom. So live a life that shows wisdom with meekness and actions of faith. We should all seek to live lives that shows wisdom with meekness and actions of faith. Let's move to the next verse. Verse. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. So what is he saying? If you are jealous and have strife in your heart, you are not as wise as you think you are. Stop pretending. You ain't smart. James says here you have no reason to glory or no reason to boast. Don't pretend that you are wise. Lie not against the truth. Don't walk around thinking you have all this wisdom because you're not as smart as you think you are. You think you're smart like God, but you're smart like the devil. How do I know that? The next verse. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. So let's give another definition for wisdom. Wisdom is applied knowledge. Wisdom is applied knowledge. But he says this wisdom that he's talking about here is earthly, which means worldly, sensual, which means animalistic or fleshly. Sensual, animalistic or fleshly. And devilish. So he's saying wisdom that causes bitter jealousy, strife, and contention is earthly fleshly, and from the devil. Wisdom that causes bitter jealousy, strife, and contention is earthly, fleshly, and from the devil. So you have to ask yourself, who is the source of your wisdom? The devil or God? Who is the source of your wisdom? The devil or God? The knowledge that you apply in your life on a daily basis, who did it come from? You can identify what wisdom you are operating by by looking at its results. You can identify what wisdom you are operating by by looking at its results. Jesus said in Matthew eleven nineteen, wisdom is justified by its children. Wisdom is known, shown, and vindicated by its value, by what it produces. Wisdom... Is justified by its children. Wisdom is known, shown, and vindicated by its value of what it produces. So identify what wisdom you're operating by. You can tell by the results. See, the thing is, we think all things that are devilish has the pitchfork and horns and a red suit and a tail. But that's not all that's devilish. It's animalistic, worldly, carnal. Strife. Because when you keep going, it says in verse 16, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. If you operate in this wisdom, this devilish wisdom, you will open your life to confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, tumult, unquietness, and every evil so, if there's confusion in your life, there is a source for it. If there's unrest in your life, there is a source for it. If there's disharmony in your life, there's a source for it. If there's rebellion in your life, there's a source for it. If it's a tumult and unquietness in your life, there's a source for it. And it is operating by the sensual, devilish, earthly wisdom. It is the wisdom that causes contention and strife and jealousy. It also opens you up to every evil work. You say, well, how did this get in my life? What wisdom are you operating by? Because the next verse says, but the wisdom that is from above. So there's two types of wisdoms you can operate by. The wisdom from above. The wisdom from below. And there's a third category, you can be a fool. Wisdom from above, wisdom from below, or you just stupid. Proverbs says a lot about fools and stupid things. So let's differentiate this wisdom today and see if we'll finish verse 17. So go to Psalm 111. Let's differentiate the wisdom from above and the wisdom from above, from below. Because we live in the age of information. There's information everywhere. We receive more information than at any other time in human history except in the garden before the fall. A hundred or so years ago, That generation, think about how much mail they received. How much news they actually heard. Look how small in comparison is to what you receive in a day. Think about all the unread emails in your email account on your phone. One account that I have is like my junk mail account. It's got 3,000 some unread emails. And I still got three other accounts that I work from on a daily basis. That doesn't even include social media. That doesn't include 24-7 cable news. Think about the barrage of information that hits everybody every single day. Everybody is talking about something, and they think they're smart. You know, my, my major in college was broadcast journalism. And so I will watch when something happens in the nation around the world. I know when they know when they're talking about it know what they're talking about or they're just trying to fill time. Because I'll watch for about 20, 30 minutes and it says they don't know anything. They're saying the same thing in five different ways. They're waiting on the information so I'll go check again in an hour. Because all they do is keep asking people, well, what do you think about it? I'm not watching what the what people think. I want to know what's going on. But people use the commentators because a lot of things we call news is not news, it's commentary. Everybody is saying their opinion. Everybody is giving their wisdom. And what do people do? They get this wisdom and they live by it. But they don't always check behind these individuals where did this wisdom come from. Is it wisdom from above or is it wisdom from below? Because even wisdom from below can sound good. Can even feel good. Remember Paul said even Satan comes as an angel of light. Just because it appeals to your senses and looks good does not mean it's right. Remember, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. So you have to use the word of God to see what is real wisdom from above and what's the wisdom from below. Because if it's crafted right, you won't know. Because you can put a whole bunch of great packaging around and still don't know. Now, knowingly, you would not eat dog poop. You would not knowingly bring that into your house. You want to throw that outside. But what if someone put dog poop in a box, wrapped it up in a pretty package, put a bowl on it, put it in a window, talk about how amazing this mystery is, It has all these nutrients on the inside, but they don't tell you what it is. You buy it, think it's gonna be great, and you open it up and it's not what they said it was. It's not what it appeared to be. It's just like a lot of food. Because there's a whole bunch of stuff in the grocery store that's not food. And so the thing is, just like you wouldn't eat dog poop At least I hope he wouldn't just like, just like, let me warm it up, add some hot sauce. (laughs) There's certain things people eat that has poop in it. But it's packaged right. It smells good. So we forget what we learned and we eat it. That's how people do wisdom. Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord or the reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding or good success have all they that do his commandments, his praise endures forever. The wisdom from above is founded in the reverence for God, who he is, his position in your life, and his will. So if someone gives you wisdom that takes God down a peg in your life, you know it did not come from God. Some wisdom is disguised as it doesn't take all that. You really don't got to pray. You really don't got to read the word. That's not important. You just got to do these things. That's not wisdom from above. You don't need to go to church. you spiritual all by yourself. You are the church. Stay at home. You don't need to go to church that often. It's not wisdom from above. I don't know why they have churches in the first place. We're all saved by ourselves. Not wisdom from above. Go to Jeremiah. Actually go to Proverbs 4 first. I don't go to church because a preacher did something bad one time. Of course they did something bad. They're human. If you judge Jesus by a preacher, you are in trouble. Because unless the preacher has submitted his will and his ways to the word of God, he's just like any other person. Don't make Gandhi's mistake and judge Jesus by the Christian. Because everybody is human, everybody makes mistakes. Keep your eyes on Jesus. If your faith is shaken because some spiritual person messed up, your faith was not in God, it was in that person. Proverbs 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. With all thy getting, get understanding. Notice how important wisdom is. God says, if you're going to get anything, get wisdom. So get the wisdom that comes from above. Make that a priority in your life. Go to Deuteronomy 4. Make it a priority to get the wisdom that comes from above in your life. Deuteronomy 4 verse 5. Notice what the man that God says. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 5. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments even as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do so in the land whither you go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations which shall hear all these statutes and say surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So the word of God is the wisdom of God. The word of God is the wisdom of God. Doing the word is acting wisely. Doing the word is acting wisely. And he said, keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom. So guard it, get it, and do it. And notice what would happen. If you do it, People will say that you are wise. People think, oh, this is a smart people. All they did was do what God told them to do. The word of God is the wisdom of God. So get wisdom, get the word. Go to Jeremiah 51. Jeremiah 51. Verse 15. Jeremiah 51 verse 15. Jeremiah 51 verse 15 reads, He has made the earth by His power. He has established the world by His wisdom and has stretched out the heaven by His understanding. So if you want to know how things operate, know that the earth was created by the wisdom of God. So if you want to know how the situations in your life can change, get wisdom get the word, because with the word, you can change it. As we said last week, by putting the word in your mouth, you can change the course of your life. Why? That is the wisdom of God. How did he make it? He made it by his word, by speaking his word. That's his wisdom, that's his way, that's his mode of operations. So if you get his word, put it in your mouth, you can change the course of your life. That is operating by the wisdom of God, the wisdom that's from above. The wisdom from below will say, "Nah, that doesn't matter what you say. But the wisdom from above says it matters of great importance what you say. Go back to Proverbs. This time look at chapter 15, verse 18. Proverbs 15, verse 18. Let's learn what wisdom we are operating by. Are you smart like a devil or are you smart like God? Proverbs 15 verse 18 says, A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeases strife. So we already know that a person who is wrathful, full of wrath, full of anger, is going to stir up contention, is going to stir up strife. And if they do that, there will be confusion and every evil work which means they are angry people are living by the wisdom of hell. Angry people are living by the wisdom of hell. Because what happens if they are angry, there is something they are angry about. And so what happens, even if it happened a long time ago, they keep rehearsing it. And nursing it, and rehearsing it, and nursing it, and thinking on it again, and again, and again, and it affects their outlook of life. And so their wisdom is, I'm going to live such a way because this happened to me. So that means they don't forgive, they don't let it go, they haven't cast their cares upon the Lord, they don't believe God can protect them from that happening to them. And so they live by their past, and they are angry, they are bitter, their stomach is destroyed, they have ulcers, they are mean, they are bigoted, and they are evil, even if they go to church. Oh, Satan comes to church? Yeah, sometimes he sits in the front row. Singles, please don't think someone's in a candidate for marriage just because they go to church. Just because they say they're spiritual, the devil's a spirit too. They need to be more specific. What wisdom do you operate by? It says a man slow to anger, like James already told us in chapter 1, verse 19, will appease strife. Someone who's slow to anger is not going to respond to a situation, and they're going to help put strife down. Go to 1 Kings chapter 4. Remember the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. It's not a sin to be angry, but it is a sin to act out of that anger, and it is a sin to stay angry. Be angry and sin not. That means you take that anger and you redirect it as it should. That you ask the Lord, how do I deal with this situation? That you forgive and let it go. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, merry people. That's what the Bible tells us. You can't stay in your anger. Because if you do, you're operating by the wisdom of hell. And you'll have every evil work in your life. 1 Kings 4:29. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, the Ezraite, and Heman, and Charcoal, and Darda, the sons of Mahal. And his fame was in all nations round about. And he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Notice how wise this man was. You know, even today, people still talk about the wisdom of Egypt. Their knowledge of mathematics. Their knowledge of building all those wonderful works they built. But notice what the Bible says about Solomon. His wisdom was greater than all of theirs put together. How did he get it? God gave it to him. Remember the Bible says, ask for wisdom and God will give it to you. He asked for wisdom. God gave it to him. And he grew in that wisdom. You're smarter than everybody. His wisdom made him famous. People still talk about the wisdom of Solomon. They may not believe the Bible, but they use the phrase, the wisdom of Solomon. Because his wisdom has become legendary. And he got it because he asked God in faith. So Solomon, under an old covenant, can ask God in faith and get wisdom. Why can't you? If Solomon can grow in wisdom and make Israel more prosperous than it ever was, why can't you get wisdom and make your life more prosperous than you ever dreamed? It's all by the wisdom of God. And notice, the wisdom of God will exceed the wisdom of the wisest of the earth and their systems. But the wisdom of God is also creative. Notice Solomon also created songs and music. The wisdom of God is creative. God will give you creative ideas and witty inventions. He will show you how to create things people have never seen before. People say it's impossible. They'll say things like, if man was meant to fly, God would give him wings. Well, I'm glad that didn't stop the Wright brothers. Now the thing is, they don't teach in the class, the Wright brothers were PKs. There was a generational blessing that led them to do what they did. The wisdom of God. Go to 1 Corinthians 2. going to bring this thing to a close. 1 Corinthians 2. Maybe we'll get back to James, maybe not. First Corinthians 2, verse 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature. Now, we'll get why he said he could say it to the mature, but not to them in a moment. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the wisdom of the princes of this world that comes to not. So the wisdom that's for below will produce in this earth, but eventually it will become nothing. If you follow this wisdom that's from below, eventually you will have nothing, be nothing, live a nothing life. You can even use this wisdom and get a whole lot of money because you ran over a lot of people. But eventually you will have nothing. It's not immediate. It takes time. Eventually everything you got will run out. We talked about this past Sunday, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Well, some of you remember. I'll say it one more time to help you. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. That's me. That's me. And so one of the things I was looking at in the commentary, because the first part of the verse was talking about a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So it talks about how a just man, a good man, a man who lives by the wisdom of heaven will leave an inheritance for his children and to the third generation, his children's children. But the wealth of the wicked that's laid up, even if they think they're going to pass it down by the third generation, it doesn't exist anymore. Because they operated by the wisdom of of this earth or the wisdom that's from below. I believe it might have been Rockefeller. I might be getting this wrong. But one of the titans of the 1800s was a tither. He tithed off of what he got. And he said that people will be willing to work if there's a good church around. So what he would do when he's about to send workers, he'd build a church and hire pastors and send them. That was his thinking. His family still got money. It passed down. I didn't say everything he did was perfect. Not everything you did was perfect. But depending about what wisdom you live by will determine how long you keep what you got. But we speak the wisdom of God in a Mystery you don't have that word underline your Bible, underline it, highlight it on your device is an important word. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So this wisdom that's in a mystery is for our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, had the enemy known it, he would not crucify the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eyes has not seen... Nor ear heard, neither has entered to the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. He's quoting the Old Testament. But people stop there. It says, Oh, isn't it nice that ear hasn't heard, eyes have seen what hasn't entered the heart of man, what God has prepared for those who love him. Yes, that's great and all, but keep reading. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. That's past tense. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. By the Holy Ghost and by his wisdom, you'll know all the things that God has already given you which things also we speak not in the words with man's wisdom teaches not in the wisdom that's of this earth not in the wisdom that comes from hell but which the holy ghost teaches holy ghost wisdom comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So you walk by the wisdom of God, people will think you are stupid if they walk by the wisdom of hell. They won't understand why you forgive people. They won't understand why you walk in love. They won't understand why you pray. They won't understand why you go to church. They won't understand why you tithe. They won't understand why you do several things because it's foolish to them. But they can't get it because they're not spiritual. But he that is spiritual judged all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct them, but we have the mind of Christ. Say, so I have the mind of Christ and I operate by the wisdom that's from above, the wisdom of heaven, the same wisdom God used when he made everything. So this wisdom of God is a mystery. It's in a mystery. But it's already in you. How did I know that? Go to 1 Corinthians 14. We'll come back to chapter 3 in a moment. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, how being in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. If I'm talking right now, the words are coming from the inside of me, right? It's coming from my mind. But if I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, those words are still coming out from the inside of me, but they're coming from my spirit. Now where is the wisdom of the Holy Ghost that made everything? In here. So when I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, I'm praying out wisdom that's in a mystery. I'm praying out wisdom that's a divine secret, that's a divine plan, that's a divine purpose. Holy Ghost wisdom for my life as I pray in the Holy Ghost, I'm praying out wisdom. So if you wanna increase in God's wisdom, pray it out. Open your mouth and pray in the Holy Ghost. You spend time praying in the Holy Ghost long enough, you'll start even praying out English words. You'll pray in the Holy Ghost long enough and an English word comes out and go, what was that for? And keep praying, something else will pop out. What happened? Wisdom was coming out. I remember Dad Hagen talked about he was praying in the Holy Ghost for a number of hours. And plans came out and he kept praying in the Holy Ghost. Then purposes came out and he kept praying in the Holy Ghost. Then pursuits came out. He kept praying in the Holy Ghost, and the Lord appeared to him and taught him concerning plans, purposes, and pursuits. He wrote a book and taught it at his convention. But that came as he prayed out wisdom. You need to take time to pray out wisdom, pray out divine secrets, pray out divine strategies. Some of the things that we're doing now, that we're starting here, and things that we're going to do in the fall, I got it on vacation as I walked and prayed in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost for hours, and I came up with the idea of what to do. Pray out God's strategy for your life. Pray out the next step. Don't just run and do something, pray out wisdom for it. And if the wisdom or the plan you come up with is going to create strife, go back to the prayer closet. You missed it. If you're doing it because you're jealous, you missed it. If you're still confused, go get clarity. Pray out the plan so chapter 3 verse 1 and I brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual so I couldn't share wisdom from God but unto carnal fleshly people even as unto babes in Christ I have fed you with milk and not with meat for hereto you're not able to bear it neither now are you able to bear it I can't talk to you about more grown-up things of God because you're still acting like babies. You're still acting like children. You need your bottle. You can't have a steak. For you are fleshly. Another translation says you're acting like mere men. That's insult in Paul's mind. You're believers. You're born again. You're redeemed. You got the Holy Ghost. But you're acting like you're only human. If you've been born again, you'll never be just only human ever again. For whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? So they're talking about who's their favorite preacher? Paul started the church. Apollos passed the church after that. Peter was a guest speaker. Well, I'm of this person. I'm of that person. I'm of this person. Some things never change. Who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted Apollos' water, but God gave the increase. What are you saying? Apollos is a ministry gift sent by God. Paul is a ministry gift sent by God. God sent them, and now you're divided by which gift you like best? Because they talked about Apollos, he was an orator. He had the golden tongue. He could put all the words together. Paul was wise, but he had a more forceful personality. Peter walked with Jesus, and they started comparing which one they liked better. They started getting jealous of each other. They started getting into strife. But remember what James taught us, where there's strife and envy, there is every. Evil work. If you operate by the wisdom of hell, you will open the door to every evil work. And this is a Holy Ghost church. This is a word church, the Corinthian church. But they started getting into strife. They started dividing. Another word in the Greek says they began to have a civil war. And they began to fight about it. If you read the book in its context, things got so bad. A prominent family from the church. Paid money and sent some of their family members to see Paul whatever city he was in. And says, hey, Paul, we need your help because your spiritual children are tripping. So he writes this letter. But notice what's going on in the church. Go to chapter 5, verse 1. If you want a case study of what the wisdom of hell will do to a church, look at this. It is reported commonly that there is fornication, that means sexual immorality or sexual sin among you, and such sexual sin or sexual immorality as it is not so much named among the Gentiles. Say, y'all are sinning worse than the sinners. Holy Ghost people. Word people. People Paul preached to himself. People Peter preached to himself. Peter, Apollos preached to himself. The gifts of the Spirit were still moving. And it says, y'all are sinning worse than sinners, and it's known outside the church. And here's the sin. That one should have his father's wife. There is somebody in the church. Paul's calling out people, by, not by name, but by situation. You got somebody in your church, and you all know about it, but you pretend like nothing's going on. And he's sleeping with his stepmom, and y'all think it's okay. Y'all are so prideful. Y'all are boasting about it. Y'all think you got revelation? This is what Paul is dealing with. How did this happen? How did this sin come in? Strife, envy, division. Now, here comes every evil work. Now, what else happened? Look at chapter 11. Operating by devil's wisdom and strife opened the door for this sin. Well, that's not all that happened. Verse 29. Chapter 11, verse 29. Back to verse 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. He's not just talking about the elements. You are the body of Christ. says you're not properly discerning the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters at church with you. For this cause, what is the cause? Not discerning the Lord's body, not treating other believers right, putting your mouth on other believers, talking about other believers, men of God, women of God, anointed people. Many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep or they have died prematurely. So what happened in this Holy Ghost church that believes in healing, that believes the word, believes in the move of the spirit? people started getting weaker and sicker and dying. Having sin in the church that people in the world would even do. And it all came in the church because of envy, strife, operating by the wisdom that's from hell, being competitive against one another, having rivalries run among another, and it opened the door and Satan had a field day. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Go to James 3, and we'll close here. That's what the wisdom of hell does. And I don't think any of you want the results of the wisdom of hell. James 3, 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. We'll break down the rest of verse 17 and 18 next time. But I saw one translation I was studying verse 18 says, those who sow peace reap righteousness. But this is those who sow peace reap good things. But if you sow strife and envy, you reap every evil work. You reap weakness, sickness, premature death. You reap confusion. You reap chaos and unquietness in your life. So analyze what wisdom are you operating by. And if you're operating by the wrong wisdom, update your programming. Update your iOS system. Get what heaven has. And live by that wisdom so that you can reap righteousness and you can reap good things. Amen. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. Come on, lift your hands. Thank God for the word of God. Gratitude expands your capacity to receive. So thank him for what he gave because next time he'll give you more. Father, we thank you for your word, which is your wisdom. We thank you for teaching us by your spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the revelation you brought tonight. Now I ask that you help us live it. That you help us walk it out that we may be doers of the word, not hearers only. Help us live by the wisdom that's from heaven and not the wisdom that's from hell. In our lives, sir, I ask that you point out areas where we're not living by the wisdom of heaven. So we're not one moment living by your wisdom, the next moment living by hell's wisdom. Grant us discernment, Father, I ask. Grant us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to perceive, know, and understand. In our everyday life, our everyday interactions, the small and the big, what wisdom we're operating by. Help our hearts to be sensitive. Help our hearts to be softer right now, to know the leading of your spirit. Now just pause right now and listen. He'll check you about a few things. See, for the person here that's living by fear or doing things because I'm afraid this might happen, you may be making good choices, but that's still backed up by the wisdom that's from below. That's what Job did, and Job lost everything. Because fear opens a door for the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. Remember, the good life shows actions and corresponding actions of faith. Act out of faith, not out of fear. Every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer. You can put your hands down. You're always going to give an opportunity. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.